But on Boom, that was good. And we're done. Oh, yeah, you know I'm talking about you, huh? Your little tails wagon? Hi. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Notorious Pedagogues Going Virtual miniseries. In this episode, we are going to discuss the TPAC framework for thinking about technology as it relates to your pedagogy. So as we are all in our various institutions working to go online and we're using the phrase go virtual, we I'm having lots of colleagues reach out to me uh, and ask for help or support or guidance. And uh, I got a message from one of my colleagues in my department asking, what my thoughts were just generally and broadly about moving online. And the first thing that I jumped to in, in, in wanting to talk to him as a fellow educator was the TPAC uh, theoretical framework. And this one really, as a compared to SAMR, really is more of a theory. It has more uh, empirical research and background in it, although the way that I think about it and use it does not necessarily draw on that body of research. But it is, but it is a theory. Uh, TPAC stands for Technological Pedagogical Content Knowledge. Um, and as with any educational acronym, it has to stand for something. If, it's not, if it doesn't have an acronym, it doesn't, it's not as meaningful in education. Technically, it is a model that was uh, pitched and is used for teacher knowledge. But I find much more value in it as a heuristic for thinking through using technology in teaching and learning such that we are mindful and thoughtful about our use with that technology. So in brief, and this may not, this may not be that much of a shocker, uh, but TPAC, if you heard the phrase technological pedagogical content knowledge, it builds off of Shulman's original pedagogical content knowledge. A lot of us in our teacher training might uh, know or heard of pedagogical content knowledge. It, uh, he did his original work, I think, in the 80s. So it, it's had some time to, to sit in, in teacher preparation programs. But uh, in early 2000s, two scholars out of the University of Michigan, Drs. Mishra and Kohler, they took this basic idea, Shulman's pedagogical content knowledge, and then they added on technology. And then, boom, that made this whole new framework, TPAC, the T for technology. Um, and as with any educational theory or framework, Shulman's idea was essentially pretty much common sense that we as teachers, we have content knowledge, that's our what to teach, and pedagogical knowledge or our how to teach. And then the blending of these two creates a special kind of know that or know how that quote unquote good teachers possess. If we add in technology to this, which is the contribution from Mishra and Kohler, then we have this whole new set of questions, uh, not just about content and pedagogy and those various knowledges, and those various knowledges, that's not the word, and those various knowledges. We now have to consider technology and technological knowledge. And again, and this is kind of a critique, uh, that this kind of knowledge, technological knowledge, is not necessarily well defined um, and it lacks distinguishing qualities that separate it from like pedagogical knowledge or content knowledge. But again, that's something we would have to talk about at a later time. And this is interesting because as uh, TPAC was originally talked about in educational research, it was used as a model for measuring teacher's knowledge. 
So we, we, uh, you could use a, a survey or a, a test to measure a teacher's pedagogical knowledge, measure their content knowledge, and measure their, measure their technological knowledge. That's a little uh, not, I think, as helpful for us in the teaching profession, which is why I like to think of this more in like a heuristic sort of winner than trying to measure people's knowledge. But I do think that there is value in this TPAC knowledge, in this TPAC language. We've got the stuff that we want to teach, the topics and the questions that we want our students to grapple with, what we would call the content. And we know, I assume, basically how best to go about approaching that content, our pedagogy. If we're going to use some kind of technology to mediate our teaching, it seems worthwhile to consider the impact the content and the pedagogy will have on the technology and vice versa. The example that I provide for students, and it's pretty simple, but it's, I think I jump to it because most of us can conceptualize it in our heads is if we wanted to teach, for example, multiplying two digit, two digit numbers, like two digit, like 14 times 30 or whatever, there's, that's your content knowledge, knowing that. Your pedagogy should obviously drive any sort of technology that you want to use. For example, you're not going to use a new and swanky timeline app, like an app that would help you make like a historical timeline on an iPad to help you teach two-digit multiplication. It just, it doesn't even make sense to, to think about it that way. It works in a backwards way as well, uh, even though we sometimes don't encourage this with pre-service teachers. You've got a great new tool or app that you want to use. How does then that tool mesh with your what, your content, and your how, your pedagogy? You're going to be much more successful in supporting students and your own teaching if you start actually, though, with your pedagogy and your content before you look at moving to the technology. So when we think about going online and going virtual, that's why I and Dr. Schmidt, we encourage folks to look at your pedagogy and your pedagogical goals first. There's a reason, for example, that we call ourselves the notorious pedagogues, and we focus on that before the technology. So as we're looking at going online, we, we, we and our colleagues have no doubt chosen particular means or methods to utilize, uh, to, 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 to do our teaching in our face-to-face -face classes. Um, and then when we're looking to go online, we can ask ourselves, are there digital parallels? to this very analog face-to-face, -face. and more importantly, given that there are inherent gains and losses when we move from the analog to the digital, how will whatever technologies that we use account for those gains and losses? So I have a very quick example. Um, when I'm teaching in my graduate courses, I often will engage in very unstructured discussion. Um, I come from a background where I did my uh, first teaching right out of college in a Quaker school in central North Carolina. And I adopt in these classes that I teach now, what I would call a very passive Quaker demeanor in participating in leading discussions, which means I do a lot more of sitting back and letting the conversation happen. I try to discourage raising of hands. Again, this works with graduate students and adults when you don't have large numbers in a room. Um, but if I'm thinking about how would I inspire this sort of, that sort of context or that sort of activity in an online format, like if I jump into a virtual room in Zoom to teach my thesis course where I'm helping students write their thesis, the gain in, the, in using that Zoom room and using that technology 
is that we can still meet regardless of our not being in the same physical space. But the very real loss in using that is that we cannot account for uh, that sort of in-the-moment discussion. If you try or if you've ever been in a virtual meeting or a conference call, you can know that people talk talk over each other and it's hard and it's, it's, it's difficult to, to keep track of um, who's going to speak and in what order and et cetera. But in moving to Zoom, I have to accept the losses as inherent to that particular digital tool that I'm using. And then I have to agree with my students, work with my students, to agree on some sort of orderly way to share and discuss or use some other kind of strategy that might help mitigate the losses incurred from being online using that particular tool, in this case, uh, a Zoom or any sort of virtual meeting. So this is one of the reasons why we appreciate using TPAC. It gives us a language and it gives us uh, um, some tools to talk through and reflect pretty deeply about how we use technologies in our classrooms. We're not just grabbing the new, cool, uh, amazing tool and putting it into our English classrooms for the heck of it. We really have to stop and think, how does this align with my content? How does this align with my pedagogy? Then we take a look back at our technology and the technological tools we've chosen to use. Yep, and I think that for us, we use this framework specifically when we're having our students, uh, some of them for the first time writing lesson plans, you know, where we have them draw on, you know, what do you know about students, the, you know, adolescent development, at this particular grade level, what do you know about the content? Um, and then, as you said, thinking through, you know, what are the technologies that are going to sort of be the puzzle piece fitting in, right? That it's going to it's going to have a positive impact on your lesson instead of just this shiny object sort of adjacent to your lesson. We really want the technologies that you're using to be infused and, you know, almost in the center of that lesson and using SAMR that we talked about previously and some of the digital tools that we talked about, I think, in episode three, um, helping students think through that, you know, what is the, you know, you want students to collaborate, okay, then this is the tool. You want students to be able to peer review and, you know, work sort of in pairs, then this is the tool. Uh, you want to get a sense of the entire class and what they're thinking, well, then this is the tool. So having them realize that technology, um, when, when you, we share the links to this uh, resource, the TPAC, you'll see that it's a Venn diagram of three overlapping circles and they overlap in different ways. We want to make sure that they don't see technology as just sort of its own circle floating off in space, that it is an overlap of things that they've already learned in other courses, both pedagogical knowledge, so methods courses, strategies courses, that sort of thing, but then also content knowledge where they've, you know, read poetry and short stories and novels and plays and, you know, so they have that content knowledge, um, but now how do we bring all of those things together? Um, and I think that, um, you know, this semester we had our students all read Romeo and Juliet on a, on a, a web-based platform mm -hmm. called My Shakespeare, mm -hmm. 
And that, I think, really illustrated implicitly, we didn't really get a chance to explicitly point out all the different ways that that site was done in conjunction with educators to show both pedagogical knowledge, content knowledge, and then also the te- the way that they use technology on that site. Um, but I would think, you know, for us, for our students, um, for students, if you're listening, hi there, we miss you. Um, we would explicitly unpack that with them, right? Given given more time. Um, to focus on that. And maybe that's something that we can even remember to put on our list when we're when we're back in synchronous sessions with our students. And how this shows up often with our students is, uh, so Dr. Schmidt and I co-teach a class called Technology in the Secondary English Classroom. So we're constantly having these kinds of conversations with our students. And as you might imagine, we have our students draft lesson plans to submit to us. Some they do with a group and some they do on their own. And TPAC gives us a way to inquire with them uh, to really engage their reflective teacher selves. So we can say, oh, I see you've decided to use, as to mention a, a tool we talked about, I think in episode three, you've decided to use Padlet or you've decided to use Flipgrid. Uh, can you talk to me? This would be done like in a classroom, like as we're, as they're working. Can you tell me how um, the pedagog, the, the technological knowledge that the students will have to access and you'll have to access to use Flipgrid or Padlet? How does that intersect and impact with the content or the standards that you're trying to address and the particular modality or the, the way that you're doing your teaching in this lesson? Have you thought it through? And my, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say I enjoy it, but I like catching students when they haven't thought that far, when they haven't thought it through, and when they stop and they go, huh, I haven't really really thought about how it connects. They're able to get there, and sometimes that means adapting things a bit and changing things, but I like that it catches them and they have to stop and, and have that huh moment, right, where they really do have to account for all three. You can't just rely on the content or the, or the pedagogy, or like we were saying on the technology, you need all three. And again, this is kind of commonsensical, but we're also busy. And especially in this time when we're trying to transition all of our stuff from offline to online, it gives us a language to stop and think about it. Like, what is it I want to teach? How would I normally teach this in a classroom? And then how would I use technology to accomplish my content and my pedagogical goals? Right. I think it's really yeah. helpful. And I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this mini series because some of our colleagues, you know, may not be as familiar with this language, this framework. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted to sort of share that out using this medium, right? And hopefully in a way that's helpful, not overwhelming. Because I also see that online where some teachers, some professors are saying like, whoa, there's so much out there. Like so many people are being generous and saying, well, here's these resources and here's these resources. And so we are certainly not setting ourselves up here to overwhelm anyone. We just want to provide that support um, because this is an area of expertise for us. Agreed. So we really do hope that this has been helpful. We will again put links to that pretty Venn diagram uh, TPAC image in the show notes, just like we did with our SAMR episode and any more additional resources that might be necessary for you to look at related to TPAC. Thank you for listening to this sixth episode in the Notorious Pedagogues mini series, 
going virtual, we're hoping to actually engage with some of our friends and colleagues to bring them into this conversation. And we're hoping to be able to do that in the next day or so, so that we can, in our seventh and eighth and maybe ninth episodes, really be uh, and introduce other voices to engage in this conversation with us. So be on the lookout for that over uh, the weekend. And we hope everybody is having a good week and staying safe and healthy and taking care of all they've got to take care of.